Hello, and welcome to Black Marriage Therapy, BMT for short. Here we become students of marriage in order to create healthy, long-lasting relationships. I'm your host, Kristen Smith, and in today's episode, we discuss healing within marriage. We share Sherelle's triumph over abuse and trauma. This episode delves into a sensitive topic and discusses instances of sexual abuse. Listener discretion is advised. In this episode, Sherelle generously shares her personal narrative, recounting how these experiences shaped her life and relationships. She opens up about her path to triumph over the darkness, offering insight into her healing journey. Moreover, Sherelle's message resonates not just as a testament to her own strength, but as a beacon of hope for others who shared a similar path. If you have been enjoying the content, please follow us on Instagram at Black Marriage Therapy, rate us on your podcast platform, and share your favorite episode with a friend. Don't forget to fill out our survey that is helping us understand couples better and how they want to be served. Your opinion matters so much to us, so it's going to be in the show notes. Just take a moment and fill that out. All right, let's get to the episode. So welcome everyone to another episode of Black Marriage Therapy. And today on this episode, we are welcomed. We are joined here by the amazing Sherelle Harmon. Um, And to start off, I just want to give the listeners the opportunity to kind of get to know you. So if you want to just introduce yourself and tell us what what we need to know about you. Okay, sure. My name is Sherelle Harmon. I am married to the love of my life. We've been married for about 17 and a half years now. Can't believe it, but it went by super fast. The first year was, can I say hell? The first year was hell on wheels. (laughs) Yes, you can. Okay, okay. But after that, everything was kind of smooth sailing. It was a little bumpy, but it was definitely worth uh, just sticking in there. You know what I mean? And I have three children. I have a 21-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 13-year-old. And my life is always like on the go. And actually, I was an officer, a correctional officer, literally for almost the entire time that I've been married. I was an officer for 16 years. And I worked at the jail. That was crazy. But I learned a lot about myself and people. Mm. And and after that, I transitioned into real estate. And I thought that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. But I found that that is not what I want to do. What I have a desire and a passion to do is just Mm. introduce people and women to the grace of God. So that's my passion. I want to be a speaker and an author as well. Wow. Okay. So we have a lot to look forward to from Ms. Sherelle <laughs> Harmon. Okay. We're going to be checking out for you. <laughs> well, the reason why we're here is for you to be able to share your testimony and encourage people. So I want to get into that. Would you mind sharing with us some of your experience? Yeah, of course. And of course, I know that we, we overcome by the, we overcome 
with the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So I don't mind sharing the things that I've been through because I'm no longer a victim, right? Mm -hmm. I'll start this way. I remember when I was at a gas station in my hometown and I was about to put uh, air in my tire. I used to drive a busted old car, but hey, it got me from point A to point B. And I was Mm -hmm. able to get back and forth to my hometown to see my mom. But I was at this particular gas station and I drove over to the air pump and I had I saw him for the first time in 30 years, the guy who molested me. And bro, we made eye contact and I was so angry. Yeah, I was so angry. And it was like he saw me looking at him, but it was almost as if he knew who I was, even though I wasn't a child anymore. And the only thing I could think of was to run him over. And I really was because I started revving my engine, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if he was miserable or if he was sorry, but he never moved, even though I was revving my engine, like as high as it could go. Just think about being on the starting line in a, in a drag race. That's how my engine was roaring. And I just wanted to run him over and take him off the face of the earth because of what he did to me. And I just remember this thought came to my mind. It was like a still, still small voice. If you kill him, then you leave your children open to attacks like he did with you. Mm. So I was like, what? He's not even worth it. So instead of even getting air at that gas station, I just drove off. And I partially regretted driving off and not running him over. But of Mm. course, looking back, I'm glad that I didn't. So it had been 30 years since I'd seen him. And I was eight years old when it happened. It was me and my brother. We, we were at, at my grandma's house and we were sitting on her on her couch. I'll never forget that it was a yellow, sticky leather couch. Every time you move, you felt like you were, <laughs> you felt like your legs were just being stuck to the couch or whatever. Anyway, we heard this noise in her bedroom and being little kids, we were too scared to get up and go and see And I remember my brother saying, you go see. I was like, no, you go see. So we we never got up. But we heard the glass break of her window. We heard people climbing in the window. So we were afraid. And then out of nowhere, that's when Bill appeared. And he looked at me with like this eerie, eerie glare and smile. And I remember till this day that he came and he leaned over me. And then one of my uncles appeared and he asked my uncle, he said, do you think I should? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And my uncle, I'll never forget his his response. He was probably high, but he told Bill, he said, I don't care what you do, just do it and hurry up. And I remember my uncle going back into my grandmother's room. I heard like glass breaking and stuff being thrown around the room. So while he's doing that, Bill was still hovering over me. And I just remember me being a little kid. I just remember, okay, I remember someone telling me if someone ever touched me, Pick them where the sun don't shine. So here I was with me and my little eight, eight year old foot. I'm thinking that, hey, if he touched me, I'm, I'm about to kick him where the sun doesn't shine. But he never touched me then. He just kept talking to me. And I don't know, I guess as a child being so innocent, 
I guess he won my trust. I don't know. But I asked him for a piggyback ride. And of course, he gave me a piggyback ride. And that's when he assaulted me. And I remember just telling him to stop, but he never did. After a while, it was over, but it seemed like it lasted for a lifetime. Wow. And and then they were gone. So, yeah, that's what that's one of the things that happened. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And what do you remember after that emotionally? How did you respond to that? What was your your coping mechanism? Yeah. So I remember, I specifically remember telling someone that I trusted an adult what happened to me. And I remember that person looking me right in my eyes saying, yeah, right. And that just did something to me. Yeah. So I think I carried that with me throughout my childhood that what I had to say didn't matter. And like, I really believe that that stuck with me so to the point that I felt like my body was the only thing that was of value because my word wasn't a value, but I knew what guys may have wanted. But I mean, mm-hmm. so it, it carried with me through relationships. So mm-hmm. instead of being vocal or offering opinions about how I felt or what I did and didn't like, it was like, I just gave in to anything. And I remember a boyfriend and I think I was like in the seventh grade. He was like, why don't you talk? And I didn't know that people wanted to hear me talk. So I was like, I I do talk. He was like, no, you don't. He started laughing. He's like, you're like a mute. And like multiple people started calling me a mute. And I was like, man, so I really don't have anything of value to say. So I'll just offer my body because that was the way that I was able to express myself. And I felt like that was my value. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about your family background? Because you mentioned Mm -hmm. that you were at your grandmother's house and that this was your uncle who was potentially on drugs at the time. So Mm -hmm. what did your family dynamic look like in regards to mother, father, family structure, relationships? Got you. So my dad, he wasn't in my life. Well, I won't say that. He was in my life every other weekend and every other weekend and every Wednesday, he was faithful with that. I will give him that. And he was faithfully sending child support checks of how, I I don't know how much to a T, but he was faithfully sending that. But my, it wasn't enough because my mom was stuck raising us when she, I remember her having to work two and three jobs And we hardly ever saw her because she was literally just trying to keep a roof over our head and just trying to feed us. So that's why we ended up being at my grandmother's house routinely because she was always at work. And of course, my grandmother was at work as well. Yeah. Did you see any healthy relationships in your family or maybe friends, neighbors, or what was your view of relationships even as a child? Yeah, I didn't see any healthy relationships at all. No. Wow. Yeah. So so your grandmother also was a single mother? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. Wow. Wow. Yeah. After this abuse that happened, going into newer relationships, teen relationships, young mm-hmm. adult relationships, how were you showing up in those relationships? Mm-hmm. How did it affect you? And did you suffer any additional abuse? Because we know that sometimes people who have suffered as their life continues, they may get into a cycle. 
not on yeah. purpose, but because their brain has been rewired, their emotions have been rewired. And it's like, this is what's normal. So can you talk to us more about your young adult relationships and your teen or young adult relationships? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I said, I showed up as pretty much half of half of me. I didn't know who I was mm-hmm. at all. And I just my value was my body. So I was very promiscuous. And if I, if I had a boyfriend, I felt like I was obligated to sleep with them. I felt like I was obligated to treat them like, hey, maybe one day we can get married. So let's just play house. You know what I mean? Mm. And I, I, I remember being raped, even though I still, even though I was the one that was giving of my body freely, I remember being raped. And this one particular time, this guy who was my boyfriend, he, even though I told him, no, he, I felt, and I I really, and I'll say this, I didn't tell anyone because I was like, well, he's my boyfriend when we were already intimate. So did he really rape me? What I mean, but I remember that after it was over, he spit in my face. Yeah. And I was like, I felt in the moment I felt degraded. And it was like, he told me he was sorry. He laughed. And probably a couple hours after that, he was like, I'm sorry. And I took his sorry as, okay, he loves me if he says he's sorry, because no one ever told me sorry before. Okay, well, maybe he loved me. What I mean? So I felt, I feel like, when little girls who are abused, mm. it does. It's like an attachment is left. It's like an attachment from the abuser is 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 connected to them almost, so to speak. It's like either you're closed off or you're promiscuous. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, and I was just willing to do any and everything, even when it came to having friends. I I remember this. This was before I met my husband. Thank God I met him at an early age because there's no telling what I what I would be doing right now or where I would be or even if I would be alive. But I remember this one young lady I was talking to and we were class classmates and we went to high school together. And she was like, Sherelle, so you don't have no habits? I was like, no. She was like, so you don't smoke weed? You don't smoke cigarettes? You don't drink or nothing? I was like, no. She was like, well, if you want to be my friend, you got to do something. You got to you got to have some type of habit. Oh, wow. And me being the type of woman that I was, I think I was maybe 21. I was willing to do anything. I said, oh, OK. I said, well, I can drink. And she was like, yeah, I guess that'll do. So I was willing to do any and everything just to feel accepted because I didn't know who I was. I know that that stems from where I came from and how what I've been exposed to as a child and even as a young adult or a teenager. Yeah. Wow. So would you say that people pleasing that kind of became a part of your personality? Oh, yeah, that that was definitely my personality. As a matter of fact, I was just set free from that maybe a year and a half, maybe two years ago, Wow. because it so woven into me. Like Mm -hmm. I was always trying to please people. And if I did something wrong, I was like, well, no, if, if they stopped talking to me, I'm like, okay, well, did I do something wrong? How can I correct it? I would buy people things. I would make money and take them shopping. So-called friends. Yeah. And of course there was never enough. Yeah. Can you tell me more about your 
first marriage. Correct me if I'm wrong. You were be, you were married one time yeah. at, mm-hmm. at 18. Yeah. Can you tell me more about that and just your experience? Because you did end up leaving that marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that marriage didn't last long at all. We were both very got married at 18. I think he I think he may have been going on 19. It lasted for a year and a half. I had a daughter. That was the best thing that came out of that marriage. The only good, the only good thing that came out of that marriage. But I, I will say when I met him, I was in high school and he did the way that he, even though he was controlling the way that I felt like he loved me is because he was always buying me stuff, always buying, 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 giving, giving, giving. So I was like, yeah, I'll marry him. I didn't know what a relationship was supposed to look like. I didn't know in a relationship just because somebody says, hey, you're beautiful. Hey, let's go shopping. That doesn't mean they love you. That means they they want to sleep with you. That means they want to control you. That means they want a part of you that you can never get back. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's like, especially for our listeners who've never heard of something like that, they call that love bombing. I actually know someone who experienced this and this was the first sign actually of the yeah. relationship. She, he just made her feel like a queen, put her on a pedestal, brought her sh- shopping and did everything for her. Mm-hmm. Just love bombing her as a way to shield from the red flags. So mm-hmm. if you're somebody who's dating and you're experiencing someone who is saying, I love you really quickly, right? Or they just want to shower you with all the gifts and all the affirmations and everything, you may want to take a step back and really yeah. evaluate who the person is, the character of that person. Because usually not always, but most of the time they're hiding something. something. They're hiding something, right? A red flag or a character flaw that really is showing who they are. So in regards to that, why did you decide to actually end the marriage? So I ended the marriage because I was just tired. I just wanted to be by myself. I was like, for once, I just want to be by myself. I didn't feel like he loved me. And I, I, I would say it was just to the point where I just wanted to be by myself. I felt like I could raise my daughter on my own. I felt like I would be fine. Okay. Yeah. So then after that, how much more after that did you meet your current husband? Uh, I think it had been, so Jania was a year and a half when I left her dad. So it wasn't long, probably about almost two years after that, that I met Chris. Mm-hmm. So can you yeah. tell me about your your forever <laughs> husband? <laughs> yeah. My forever love. Yeah. What do you want to know about? No, sorry, because you mentioned how the beginning was difficult for you. I just want to hear more about differences that you noticed from like previous relationships and how his character showed up differently, his love and things yeah. like that. Oh, he was very patient. And Chris grew up in a household where his mom and dad are still married. So they've been married uh, for almost as long as he's been living. I think they've been married for about 32 years now. So he's always had that family dynamic. He had brothers and sisters that were in the household with him. So it was like he had that that model before him, but I didn't. So (laughs) when we got married, he knew what marriage was supposed to look like. And nobody's perfect, but I didn't know what marriage was supposed to look like. Mm. I only saw my mama running everything. So I felt like I'm going to run everything too. And my husband, he was like, no, that's not how it works. We're one. So we talk about things and I'm your husband. So I make suggestions and it's like, I really need you to listen to me. But we always butted heads because we always had a difference of opinion. 
But I also know that it, it stemmed from trauma as well, because there would be times where he would touch me a certain way and it would just like rub me the wrong way. I didn't know why, but it just rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, why are you touching me like that? Mm-hmm. And like I did it so often. He was like, babe, let's just sit down and talk about some of the things you went through. Were you ever abused when you were a child? Or you, it was like, Chris was my counselor, seriously. Mm-hmm. He was like, did something ever happen? And we started talking about my childhood and, oof. Take your time. Oh, girl. Anyway, <clears throat> started talking about my childhood And um, it was just like, he didn't shun me, but he hugged me. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So, but this is how I know that I'm over what happened to me. But I I love my husband so much because he's so awesome. Anyway, so we would talk about what happened to me when I was a child and we would try to get beyond it sometimes. And I said, I really believe that when you touch me like that, it just gives me like flashbacks of what, what happened to me in the past when I was a kid and even when I was growing up as a young adult or whatever. And so we we would talk about it, but it was like the talking never really uprooted the issue. But I mean, so he was always there. He's always been there for me. So, yeah. It's a good guy. Can you tell did me? Did I answer more? your question? Yes, you did answer my question. Okay, okay, good, good. Okay. Can you tell me more about maybe how some of those traumas showed up in your mm-hmm. life? You mentioned like on a sexual basis, being touched in a certain way and how that yeah. would trigger you. Were there ever any other things that you noticed, maybe about your communication or maybe about how you opened up your vulnerability, your intimacy? Was there any other ways you felt like maybe looking back in hindsight that you mm-hmm. felt like, oh, this is my trauma showing up in my present? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember certain instances of we don't have this issue now, like we totally open. <laughs> But there would be certain times where I'd be like, well, no, I want to take off my shirt or no, I, I don't want to not 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 that position because I would remember being so open and free with everyone else. But I didn't want to be seen in that light anymore because, hey, I'm a believer now. I'm a Christian. What if God sees me as being dirty or what if he sees me as being the same as how I used to be? Wow. So I didn't know until after those certain instances, Chris would take me to the Bible and he'd be like, hey, babe, look, look at this. God said that the marriage bed is honorable and undefiled. So it's like, we can do anything <laughs> and God won't look at you as dirty or mm-hmm. nasty. So that was truth for me, but it still took a time. It still took a little moment to get through to my heart that mm-hmm. I'm clean now. I'm not dirty. And what I do in this bed is holy. Yeah. I love that. I love that you mentioned that. You also mentioned faith and I want to talk, definitely give you room to talk about that because I know that is part of your transformation and the renewing of your your mind, your soul, your body and all those things. But you you mentioned also not really having your father present. So I'm just curious as to your personal relationship with God because God is our father and I know that in my own background, my own history, when I was betrayed or felt betrayed by my father, that 
it came back to God, how I felt about God. And I'm curious to know if you, what was your experience with God as your father? How did you, did you have to reconcile? Like, what was that journey to getting back to God and reconnecting with God? So I remember what really made me seek God in a different way and what really, and I I know the Holy Spirit, he'll lead you and guide you into all truths. He'll literally lead Mm -hmm. you there where freedom is. And so I remember telling my dad some of the things, not all of the things that happened, but I remember telling him about the molestation and about one of the rapes. And he just looked at me. He was like, oh, okay. He just didn't have anything to say. So I just felt like, man, I just, I need more than that. And I think the lesson in that is that we can't make someone love us from where they are, because sometimes you never know if that person that you're trying to get to love you has been abused or not. Mm -hmm. You don't know if they even have the capacity to love you in a way that you're expecting them to and or need them to. And I believe that that's where the love of God comes in, because it's like you can try like I could try to make you love me, Chrislyn, but it's like I can't make you give me what I need. Mm -hmm. But God being our creator and him being our father, he knows exactly what we need. And the most beautiful thing is he's willing to give it. And I think me learning that and being able to forgive my dad for his responses and even for his neglect and just protecting me and my brother when we were in his in his care, because we experienced some abuse as far as it goes with his wife. But in order for me to be able to forgive him for that and to forgive him for his lack of, of love or care, I just had to really just take everything to the Lord. I'm like, God, like, why? Why did I have to go through this? Like, if you love me so much, why did you allow all these things to happen to me? Mm. As I was crying out to the Lord, it didn't happen that day. I don't even really remember how I came across this one pastor. His name is LaRue Atkinson. I'll never forget him. But he was talking about the kingdom and he was talking about trespasses. And so I like binged his audio tapes. I binge listened to him because like I like for once I felt like I was being freed of being mad all the time of being angry and just being hurt or just feeling even when I wasn't feeling hurt or angry, I just felt like hollow. And so I remember him saying that when someone abuses you or it doesn't even have to be like sexual abuse or when someone offends you, those are called trespasses. And long story short, he was just telling us that these trespasses are the things that keep us from being able to be free. He said, bring those things, those trespasses, the thing that hurts you, the very thing that makes you feel dirty. He said, bring those things to the throne of grace. Mm. Pass those cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) So as I'm learning this, and then he, the more I studied the throne of grace, he began to talk about the trespasses, but you have to forgive these people. I didn't want to forgive them. But of course, we always hear that forgiveness is for us and not for them. Yeah, yeah. And he said that, And so I was like, okay, 
And but one thing he did say, he was like, even though it's for you, he said, I want you to begin to bless these people, begin to say, Lord, I bless them. And God, I just ask you to heal them of any trauma that they've experienced. Or Lord, I ask you to give their children safe travel, pray everything for them that you would want someone to pray for yourself. And so I tried that with Bill. And it was the first time I was like, I can't do this. And I remember Pastor LaRue, he said it was hard for him at first, but he said the Lord told him that he had to. So he said it took him over a month with one person that he would bring to the Lord. Like, Lord, I bring you so-and-so and I ask you to bless them. So I would try this as well. And over the period of probably three or four days, I would just bring Bill to the throne of grace. I'm like, Lord, I bring Bill to you and I ask you to bless him. And I'm like, man, I I can't believe I'm doing this. But I would pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help me. So anyway, long story short, over time, I could feel the weights being lifted. And I was like, Lord, I just ask you to help him. God, I, I, I want to forgive him. And um, I ask you to bless him. I ask you to, I ask you to forgive him for what he did to me. Mm. And like all of these things that I would never pray for concerning him to be free. I don't know if he's ever experienced trauma and I'm not trying to take the blame off of him, but I was like wanting to be free. So anything that would come to my mind concerning him, being whole or set free. Those are the things that I would pray. But I would say that I didn't do it in and of myself. I can't, we can't really love someone that has hurt us outside of God. So I just want to take this moment to share with you guys all a drink that I've been using called Magic Mind. And it is a all natural drink that gives you energy. Typically in the morning, sometimes I'm rushing or (laughs) I got the girls, I got the kids and my mind feels groggy. And I used to drink a lot of coffee, but then you get the sugar crash and the caffeine crash. So I've been trying Magic Mind for the last couple of weeks and it is a game changer. It has ashwagandha, matcha, cordyceps mushrooms, different things. It's a small drink with a decent taste, but it is very, very powerful. I want to share this all with you guys. So if you are interested in trying it, you can go to magicmind.com forward slash black marriage, and you could get up to 50% off your subscription for the next 10 days with my code black marriage 20. Again, it's magicmind.com forward slash black marriage and get up to 50% off your subscription for the next 10 days with my code black marriage 20. So you mentioned how faith was obviously a big, big turning point for you. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. Was was there any other things that you did, any books that you read or counseling or was there anything else that you did that helped you to really get that emotional healing that you needed? I just honestly, the word works. That's all I can say. I remember reading scriptures about grace and the throne of grace, of course. There's this one scripture. I'm not going to say it completely right. I'm just, these are my quotes. <laughs> no, it says, come to the throne of grace boldly and in the time of, in the, in the time that you need help, and he will give you grace and mercy in your time of struggle, something along those lines. And I remember going to the throne of grace and I'm like, okay, God. 
I need help. I really need you to help me with the issues that I'm going through. Help me to get over and help me to just see myself the way that you do. Mm. And I remember just knowing that after reading the word that God sees me as his daughter, that he sees me as love, that he sees me as wholesome, that that when he looks at me, he doesn't see the things that I allowed or the things that I've been through or even the things that have happened to me, but he sees me as forgiven. He sees the blood of Jesus. And those are the the things that I had to remind myself of anytime a flashback would come or anytime a thought would come, oh, you just a hoe. That's how God sees you. What you praying to him for? Mm. No, it's like, that's a lie. What I mean, because the enemy, he'll tempt you with lies. He'll bring Mm. to you your, he'll bring to your remembrance the things that he's just trying to find a foothold where he can keep you bound. But it's like, I use the word to combat the lies. And I know that in first Peter, I think it's first Peter five and 10, where it talks about the grace of God, how after you, how after you suffered a little while, then the grace of God will settle, strengthen, establish, and perfect you. Mm. And I just began to study that because It was like, I always used to feel weak. I always used to feel unstable. Mm. I always felt like there was something wrong with me. So when I found this scripture, I was like, wait, what? So you'll strengthen me so I can feel strong. So it was like, I took, and I still do. I take the word literally. So the grace of God is present to strengthen, settle, establish, and perfect me. And it's like, when I took hold of that word and I would look up the definitions of it in the concordance, where I broke free, like the word of God works. And it's, it's really being unto you according to your belief. I, be, I began to believe that I was free. I began to believe that he was strengthening me on a daily basis. I began to believe that he was establishing me, that he was pulling me out of dry places, that he was sanctifying my mind, that my mind is sound, what I mean, and that he was perfecting me and like literally equipping me to do greater things in life. Yeah. Wow. Using the word to renew your mind, as it says, so Mm -hmm. that you can experience that transformation and be a new creature Mm -hmm. as he promised in the scripture. That's very, very powerful. On this podcast, we talk about spiritual things, but sometimes we don't. Mm -hmm. And I'm also an advocate for if anyone's listening as well, maybe you're not a believer, maybe you are, but also seeking out help, seeking out community, support, love, as well as, like you said, the, the scriptures, of course, and getting counseling if you can afford that or if you have access to that. Mm-hmm. Because when things are like this complex and layered, I, I heard it said one time that that God will deliver you, but then mm-hmm. the next step is healing. Mm-hmm. Right. So and he can do both. But healing, yeah. this is this is what I think is powerful, especially in the Christian background, Christian faith, because I think sometimes Christians sometimes condemn, right? Mm-hmm. Other other things outside of the scripture right, that right. Can bring healing. But I think what is beautiful about God is that you don't have to hold him into a box. I believe right. that God is the one that delivers. I know that to be true, but healing, not only can it come through the word, but also mm-hmm. through community love, yeah. support, right? Through mm-hmm. counselors, Christian counselors, through mm-hmm. God can use anything. I really truly believe that. And depending on your situation, whatever that complex hi- history is, don't give up, right? right? Keep seeking, keep looking. He can he, yeah. he can speak through you, through you, through 
anyone. He can speak through mm-hmm. anything and he can reach you wherever you are. With that being said, whenever we do these episodes, we love to end with tips, advice. And I want you to take a moment and speak to the married woman or the woman who is engaged or to be wed. And maybe they have a history, a background that similar to the one that you've experienced, what advice would you give to them? Like, what message do you want them to hear? What do you want them to know about who they are and how they can overcome? So I would just say that if you've ever experienced anything like I have, or, and I I know that my, my story isn't the worst. And I know that people have experienced way worse than I have, even for a longer period of time. I just feel like we all have a story. And if you have experienced trauma, just know that when God looks at you, he doesn't see you as as dirty. And inside of a covenant, just talk to your husband. Talk to him. Tell him what you experienced. Don't be afraid or ashamed because that could literally save your marriage if you talk about what you've gone through. If you're just, just be open. And even if like, I'm a big writer, (laughs) I write a lot. Mm. So even if you're not bold enough to vocally say it, just write it down. And uh, me and my husband, we used to do this. We, and a matter of fact, I want to start doing it again. We used to have a journal that we wrote in together and I would tell him what was on my mind and then he would respond on the next page. So even if you have to start by doing that, by writing what you feel or what you've experienced and giving it to your husband and saying, here, so I want to give you this. I wrote you a letter. You can start off that way because I've learned that that even takes the edge off, but it also helps to relieve the pressure that you may be experiencing in the moment as well. I would also say that during intimacy, just know that your, your bed, your marriage bed is honorable and undefiled. Like, and if your husband touches you a certain way that makes you cringe, I just want you to, I know it's not something you can get over just automatically, but just know that. The, the person that you're with, he loves you. He's not the one that abused you. He's not the one, he's not the perpetrator, okay? And just be open and honest and say, hey, can we talk about this? This is how I feel when you touch me like this. This is, this is what happened to me. And I learned that when we're honest and transparent with people, especially with our spouses, like it, it makes you closer to your spouse. What I mean? And it helps you to take another step forward. It actually helps you to breathe easier when you're open and honest. Yeah. Wow. That, that gave me goosebumps. It really did. It really did. It really did because like, this is what this podcast is about and um, breathing life and hope into marriages. It doesn't matter what your background is. Your I believe that marriages can be whole. I believe marriages can be healthy. I believe that they can have strong mm-hmm. foundations and last a long time. And I really yeah. believe that the advice that you just gave was like, is going to help somebody like somebody who needs to hear those words. And I was just like, Oh, that gave me goosebumps. Like I know somebody is going to be like set free from that. Right. So I hope so. To end, Sherelle, please tell them where they can find you um, or anything else you want to add. But that's how we wrap up. We just want to let the people know where where they can find you. Also, Sherelle's information is going to be in the show notes once she shares it. So you don't have to write it down or anything. We're going to have it for you listed so that you can get her story, her, her bio and know more about her. 
Yeah. Right now, I'm pretty just like on Facebook. First and last name, Sherelle Harmon. And I do a I do a lot of encouraging videos. That's what I'm all about. Nothing glamorous, just just straight, just talking about the power of God. And yeah. most of my videos I talk, I, I, I'm able to articulate better when I use acronyms or acrostics. So that yeah, that's what I'm all about. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. First and last name, Sherelle Harmon. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Thank you again, Sherelle, for uh, joining us and sharing your amazing, powerful testimony. Bye, you guys. Thank you for having me. Of course.